Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding, sitting next to Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how's it going? Uh, it's going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you? It's going great. We hope it's going great with everybody else as well. If this is the first time you are tuning in, hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating review, give us a thumbs up. You could thumbs down our video, but YouTube doesn't show it anymore. Um, so make sure you just hit that thumbs up button. We'll, we'll just call it even right there. Um, if you're interested in learning more about our money management services, uh, reach out to me, Andrew at focusedcompounding.com. You could also click the invest with us tab on our website at Focus Compounding. Uh, in today's podcast, since we are doing a snap judgments, we are going to um, uh, use QuickFS. So you can do that yourself. You can use it yourself if you go to quickfs.net and tell them that you heard of them from Focus Compounding and we get a piece of that. So how long into this podcast are we? We got to see. Okay. So two minutes. How, mm-hmm. how long of ads was that? Not that long, right? Have you ever listened to like a Joe Rogan podcast? No. So on Spotify, people listening will know this. If you listen to him on Spotify, it's mm-hmm. like four minutes of ads in the beginning oh then it was the i just you could skip through it which is kind of nice okay and then they got them in the middle and then at the end so we just you know we got our own little ads but Mm -hmm. i try to rush right through it everyone listening already knows it all but uh so let's roll through it we are working off of a thread that is from january 4th oh we have a lot to still go through um uh, let's see you could refer to that past snap judgments which was uploaded last week that was a great batch last week you know we just uh, when we have Good. a great podcast and we, it's yeah. like it's the best feeling in the world for everyone listening <laughs> creating content sometimes is like you know murphy's law what can go wrong will go wrong there's mm-hmm. nothing worse when we record a podcast and I think it's just sounds so great. And then I go to listen to it on the computer side afterwards in the editing software. And there's just something wrong with the audio or something was peaking mm-hmm. or just, it's just a pain in the butt. So Someone spilled their water. Jeff, uh, that's, <laughs> Jeff did spill his water in the first episode that was it'll uploaded be edited this week. Out we just got quiet. It's, yeah, they won't even know. <laughs> they won't so know. that's the beauty of... Uh, editing so okay let's pull up lmt from finance burner that's his burner on twitter lmt lockheed martin so yes. a larger company 100 billion dollars mm-hmm. very big um uh, ev to free cash flow 20 times ev to sales 1.6 ebit margins 11.7 10-year mm-hmm. kager revenue 3.7 looks like they have either some operating leverage or they reduce their share count because 10-year Kager and EPS, uh, 12%. I believe share count. Let's go to the f- free cash flow, uh, the cash flow statement and see if they buy back last stock. Historically, they had been serial buyback. Yeah. So it looks like they generate, call it, you know, it's last year, seven-ish, six to seven billion in free cash flow. Year before, kind of in that area as well. And they bought back in 2019, 1.2 billion. And in 2020, 1.1 billion. Then they also returned cash via dividends as well yeah so plenty of free cash flow a little bumpy year to year but plenty of it um we have as much as six million in one year you know as low as two i guess in one period but that's mainly a change in working capital obviously um not bad but we could be talking about 25 times free cash flow or something yeah, like on a normalized basis we don't know exactly but so not very cheap on a free cash flow basis it's not like a deep value stock or something like that this is a defense contractor does it show in the business description what else they do besides that if what civilian things they're involved in 
Um, no, I'm not seeing anything that they're mentioning about anything. No, or basically, yeah, that's it. I mean, there's basically nothing that isn't defense that mm -hmm. they're listing there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, a defense contractor, others would be like, you know, general dynamics would be a competitor, for instance. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, there was a, in the outsiders, general dynamics is one of the feature companies. So, uh, you'd want to know more about, you know, obviously the programs that they have. Um, and what people think about that for the future. They may also have pension things. I haven't looked recently about how they're doing with their covering pension liabilities. Yeah. And whether those are realistic. 12.8 billion. Uh, oh, so it lists them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's significant because it depends on how well estimated those are. Obviously, like, for instance, what does that mean? It shows pension liabilities was 1 billion in 2010. Mm -hmm. Then it was 14 after it's that. It's kind of been all over the place. Um, you know, so it makes sense at the period after that. So was that something that they acquired that caused that? Was that a change in the accounting? I don't know. I just feel that they had significant pension liabilities from what I remember of them. Um, it doesn't seem like acquisition thing because we don't see a huge spike in goodwill. So something else may have happened there. Um, yeah. So if we look at the overview, usually a very consistent type business is industry over time. Once you get to a certain size, then you have a variety of different programs going on at any one time. Um, they do have, though, here an improvement in operating margin pretty consistently, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is significant. Um, How do you judge the pension liabilities? Because I believe you've talked about situations where you felt like they were under-reserving, for yeah, example. Yeah, almost everyone is, yeah. I can adjust the, uh, well, no, I mean, what I can do is I can adjust the return on plan assets because we're in the investment business. We can have some idea about, they tell us what the mix is of their stocks and bonds and things like that. We can look at it and say, is this realistic that they think they're going to get 8% when we really think they'll get five and a half or whatever. But um, the harder thing, of course, is the liabilities. I don't have insight into that. It's kind of a black box. You have to kind of trust management that their ideas about what the, um, the liabilities are realistic that they're not gaming things at all or trying to avoid honestly reporting that. Um, yeah, it's, you know, this is not obviously price to book and things like that are very high because they buy back their stock. The most logical thing to look at would be something like EV to sales or price to sales. Now they're at more than 10 times, um, pre-tax profits basically, because you got to think that the operating margin will only, you know, won't be much better than what it has been historically, which in this case is about 12% or something. Um, but even taking free cash flow where it says eight and a half percent margin, eight to nine percent margin with one and a half times price to sales, that's not crazy. Um, you have a very good business for a slightly premium multiple compared to all of history, I guess, but not ex very expensive versus today. Um, if you can see what they can achieve, you know, look at the, um, on 4% revenue growth over 10 years, they were able to get earnings per share to grow 10, 12% a year. Obviously if they were to repeat that sort of performance, that would be excellent. I don't know if the margins will stay that way. Um, this is not expensive for, what do we say? hundred billion dollar stock. Mm -hmm. And it's in an industry that's, you know, 
defensive. Yeah, it's a it's a potentially attractive industry long term when you have a strong position in it. If you can get it at a good price, if you had to look at hundred billion dollar companies, this is one that you could look at definitely. I don't know if other um, competitors and stuff uh, are equally attractive. They might be. I think we mentioned. Um, well, like that, I mentioned dynamics. the outsiders. You know, General Dynamics there. Um, if they're similar sorts of prices. Um, yeah, let's see. Yeah, pretty similar prices. Pretty mm-hmm. similar, you know, in terms of price to sales and operating margins. So I would look at the group, I guess. Obviously, they haven't had as good a um, 10-year period, although I don't know if there were some changes. They also had, do they, let's see, let's look at their business description. Um it operates through four segments, aerospace, marine systems, combat systems, and technologies. What do they show under aerospace, does it say? No. No, I'm not seeing much. So again, defense um, focus company without civilian things. Um, yeah, I'd look at the group, yeah. But that's certainly, there's nothing wrong with. Um, what about Raytheon? uh raytheon was what did they do when they merge it was um yeah what was the deal there oh so i'll remember this it was like a two-part deal Hmm. do i remember it here let's see where it says uh do they have the information here Mm -mm. no someone let us know don't worry all right (laughs) but for lmt you thought it was a not a cheap price but also not i mean too crazy for a hundred billion dollar company yeah, no, it might be a pretty cheap crisis for a hundred billion dollar company. I can't really think of cheap hundred billion dollar companies. I mean, that's a short list right mm-hmm. now. See another large company, HP. Mm-hmm. HP that went under a lot of changes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Current EBITDA sales point seven EBIT margins ten year margins seven point six. Mm-hmm. These are difficult. Forty two billion dollar company. Yeah. Yeah. This company divestitures. I was gonna yeah. say they've had so many like. M&A type transactions. Mm-hmm. So they have built up over time with a lot of M&A and stuff. And then in the last 10 years, they've shrunk themselves down, as you can see, breaking up into mm-hmm. like half by there. Yeah, look at the, for people listening, in 2012, they did $120 billion in revenue. Mm-hmm. And in 2021, they did $63 billion, so. Right, but that's basically because by 2014, they'd shut half the company, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think the question was about like 2013 on, basically, right? That they, Whether things had changed a lot for them. Um, it's interesting. The, yeah, it's very hard to look at a company like this, I would say, Mm -hmm. because I find them kind of technical and everything. But then on the other hand, there isn't a ton of volatility in the results. So it looks more like an old economy type thing, but of course it's not. Um, it should have a, Yeah. Generates a lot of free cash flow. Mm-hmm. Significant amount of, um, you know, somewhat significant amount of stock comp, but it's not crazy. Um, so you got to factor that in. But let's see. Uh, yeah, it has very low. I mean, there's been some acquisitions. It has very low spending on CapEx. But it, it looks, let's see, not incredibly cheap in the sense that, what do we say the market cap was? Just was like, $40 billion. Yeah. So you are talking about, 10 times or so cash flow from operations. So that's 
not bad. Um, let's look at the balance sheet, I guess. That, that's not bad. That is a value stock in today's market, definitely, especially because they don't have a lot of spending on, um, on CapEx. What form is that? Long-term debt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the current liabilities are mainly accounts payable. Mm-hmm. Yes. They have no retained earnings because of financial engineering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if we go up, how, what's their cash position? Mm. $4.2 billion, $4.3 billion. Yeah, it seems fine with the business that they have there. It's safe and everything, but they're certainly not running it particularly conservatively. I think they're going to, you should expect some, you know, they're not going to let cash sit idle and stuff. They're going to do things. Obviously, they had a lot of debt, you know, 10 years ago, and then they cut it down. Mm-hmm. But they're not, I don't think they'll cut down to the point where they have more cash than debt and not do anything. So, yeah, I mean, it's a value stock. It's If we read the business description, you can see it's not stuff that I understand mm-hmm. well. Yeah. All right, so let's pick another one of Thomas's T-A-C-T. Transact Technologies Incorporated. It's a micro cap, $97 million market cap. Um, looks like a revenue's been halved. Yes. Let's see what they do. Develops and markets transaction-based and specialty printers and terminals in the United States and internationally. Uh, kind of hard to tell. looks like a for us, from our perspective, it looks like it'd be all over the place, especially like operating margin, operating profit, gross profit. Yeah, there are some things that are noticeable, though. So let's go to the balance sheet first to see what this means, what I'm seeing here. If we look quarterly. Um, quarterly? Yeah, that's fine. We can do quarterly. Yeah, so total current asset. Yeah, so it's $26 million in current uh, net current assets, meaning current assets, less total liabilities. Total liabilities are very low. And the uh, cash position was $19 million, So that's, you know, $10 million after all liabilities and stuff are out of the way. So that's significant. And if we look at the cash flow statement, that might be important too. We can look there annually. It's fine. Um, yeah, it's very hard to tell because obviously in 2020, you have uh, cash outflows. You know, in trailing 12 months, I don't know exactly how that lines up with 2020, but before then you had cash flows each year that are pretty significant. There are four or five million in free cash flow. So, you know, it's pretty cheap on that basis. But I don't know recently if a lot has changed with the business. Um, the cash flows were much more stable than the reported income, if you can see there. Mm-hmm. So going back, I mean, cash flow from operations was pretty, I mean, from 2014 to 2019. It was very stable, as was you know free cash flow. So, um, but I don't I don't know beyond that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. Let's see. Pcom Points International. Okay. Have you looked at this company since we sold it? I've not looked. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I read Follow its it. I read its quarterly. Um, I mean, I read its news releases. I should say its earnings releases. Let's look at the price action. I think we sold kind of right around where it is right now. Well, like fifteen or something. Wait, so this is the Nasdaq version, yeah. right? They uh-huh. also trades in Canada, yeah. correct? Uh-huh. Um, you want to compare to see if we sold that? Up no, I was just below? curious to look at the the chart because we thought they had, and uh, you know, we sold it for a reason through COVID. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I like the business model. I like the industry. So we should we say something about what they do and sure. stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they provide e-commerce and technology solutions to loyalty industry in the United States, Europe, and internationally. It operates through three segments, loyalty, customer, retailing, platform partners, and points travel. It does um, airline miles for airlines and other companies like that. Uh, airlines being the really big one for them. Um and it allows you to buy points and things like that, but they do the retailing of it. So they buy and sell at a spread. The revenue is meaningless because part of their business is on a principal business and part of it's on an agency, which mixes that up. So gross profit is what matters there. You can see gross profit had been more stable, probably generally, I guess, than revenue. Um, so it makes it look like a much bigger business than it is. It's a good business, but smaller than it really is because the revenue I think is misleading. If you're immediately buying and selling points, you know, buying at a, um, wholesale type price and then selling at a markup, I'd say that that's, you know, really a small business. Um, you know, buying a hundred thousand dollars of airline miles and selling them for 110,000 or whatever. Um, I think that we should really book $10,000 on that, not, um, 110,000. So uh, they generate a significant amount of float, which mm-hmm. I think we can see in the most recent quarters, although, you know, obviously COVID's changed this. So um, their current situation is that they have 110 million in current assets, 78 million in total liabilities, which is perfectly fine. Uh, the liabilities are almost all accounts payable, as you can see there, whereas the assets are almost all cash. So very clean balance sheet, very simple. You could go to free cash flow and we can see how um, there's not a lot of substance to this business. You know, if you look at annual, we can see how good the free cash flow generation had been. Very good before mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. So what is that? 17 million, 20 million, 24 million with almost no capex. They did have they they had one meaningful acquisition, right? Yeah. So um in twenty fourteen. Yeah, but then of course, what happened in 2020? The cash flow from operations became negative. So you went from you know making 16 to 23 million in free cash flow a year over the last three years to now a cash outflow of uh, five million, right? Mm-hmm. But then you have the most recent year, and you've had this big change, obviously, where they're generating a lot of cash again, although they're losing money on a net income basis. Um, I really do. I think the company's fine. I think the business model's good. I think the industry's great. It would be an industry I want to be in for the long term. It's a business model that I like. I think that loyalty points and stuff like that is a great business to be in. Um, I don't know about the, I'm not sure about the company, the management, things like that. Overall, if they're going to go in the directions that necessarily want, I'd say it's not an overlooked stock at all. Um, if anything, it's the opposite of overlooked probably. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I just think there's not great alignment between us as owners of, uh, businesses and how we, um, think about companies and sort of management there and how they think about it and everything probably. But, um, but I think it's, it's a good business and I think it's a probably a good price and it would do well in recovery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next stock, Harbor diversified HR, BR, it's a ticker, uh, Harbor Diversified Inc. together with its subsidiaries provides air transportation services in the United States. It also acquires flight equipment for the purpose of leasing and provides flight equipment financing services. 
Um, this looks like it'd be kind of tough for us to <laughs> analyze without reading about the business more in depth. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, trades I just kind of book, as you can see there. Yeah. Um, we could look at the balance sheet. So Total liabilities and current assets are the exact same. Yeah, which is interesting here because obviously they have a lot of PP&E. Which short-term so investments. So it does seem like a... Uh, yeah, short-term investments, yeah. That's a good question what that is, what they're counting as that. That can be, we don't know. That can be like T-bills or that could be like, um, well, it wouldn't be T-bills, but it could be, you know, one-year treasuries or something, or it could be um, something related to their finance operation. I can't tell mm-hmm. from just looking at this. They could be very different. Um, short-term debt, yeah. But even no matter what, they don't have a lot of liabilities that you'd expect there. Long-term debt, $76 million. Capital leases is low. Um, what was some of that's debt? deferred revenue. $120 million market yeah, cap. So some of that's deferred revenue, too. So the fact that it's trading at discount to book is very interesting because, you know, they're counting the deferred revenue and the liabilities mm-hmm. and everything that way. $44 million in cash, too. Yeah, let's look at the cash flow situation. Um, hmm. It's very inconsistent cash flow from operations. I don't know what to do with that. Obviously, you know, you have COVID now and everything, but I don't know. I mean, the only thing that's consistent is the depreciation. Everything else here is all over the place. It's very hard for me to figure out. Um, well, it looks like, was this like a reverse merger or SPAC or something like right, that? Right, which is fine. And then you say, okay, 2018, 2019, 2020, but what happened there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, going from 16 million in cash flow to 26 to 73 million right so but i mean you reported net income of 180 million then you lost 19 million then you made 40 million mm-hmm. yeah um even things like the change in working capital the only thing that's you see that then on the year where they make 181 million yeah, the other line millions no but you see flow. the other line so that the cash flow isn't yeah. so it's earnings that aren't cash mm-hmm. yeah it's complicated. I don't know the answer. Obviously, on the balance sheet, it looks attractive. It looks cheap. But So you'd have to learn a mm-hmm. little bit more about it's it. It's very current, very liquid. looks cheap, but that's just a balance sheet thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Free says, we'll be curious to hear your take. It's a natural sweetener roll-up that dispacked last year. has pretty interesting story behind it. Oh. I saw this back. It operates as a food company worldwide. It operates two segments, branded CPG and flavors. The brand is CBG segment sells products under the whole earth, pure via swerve and equal brands. That's how I remember it. Equal. Oh, yeah. really? Mm-hmm. Huh. And it was a SPAC as he said. Oh, it also has licorice derived products. Huh? Yeah. So licorice derived products obviously were mainly used in tobacco. They were used in other things too, but it's cigarettes. Um, it was very big in that, and that's why they existed. But they've been used in other things. Companies that did that have used in other um, industries too over time. But that was sort of the original thing. That was a big part of their business. I read their investor presentation a and long how time was it? ago. It was no typical SPAC investor. Oh, because it was SPAC yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah, we could look at the quarterly. Maybe uh, it's brand new. But let's see. We could try looking at quarterly results mm-hmm. or something. Have you looked in the SPAC land at all for 
not really busted I mean, specs. We, we mentioned we read i read the investor presentation for playboy and all that um different let's see what else was there no not really i don't think i found much in that gross margins in the 30s looks pretty consistent kind of um revenue's been growing mm-hmm. most recent quarters is good operating margin is strong yeah it looks Does like look a cpg like numbers yeah yeah um what's the price that we have on this stock 382 million Mm. well so if you think if they could do yeah i mean if you're looking at just the most recent quarter something mm-hmm. that you're saying but what was revenue yeah. growth the last few quarters a hundred percent like what you know yeah. not not there's any i mean there was covid before that and it's it has a we don't know all the different things that have changed here, but it's hundred percent type growth. Mm-hmm. But before then, yeah, if you annualize the numbers that we're seeing here, where mm-hmm. we're seeing numbers for six months, that things are good in terms of operating profit. Yeah. If you took the six month yeah. number and you said, 40 okay, million so that's 50 million. EBIT. So then, yeah, then yeah. it's looking great. Um, can we see cash flow just in case there's, yeah. um, yeah, the quarterly is fine. Uh, yeah, there's no cash flow from operations in those months though. There is in the most recent uh, period, but generally there wasn't cash flow from operations because of the change in working capital. Let's look at balance sheet. Of course, you know, who knows with that? That's the problem with these things. Like without more detail, I don't know if that's just incredible. It is a lot of inventory. Mm-hmm. It's some accounts receivable too, but it's a lot of inventory. Um, so total liabilities, ooh, it's a lot of liabilities versus current assets. Yeah, all in the form of debt. Yeah, I don't love that. I, I mean, wonder what this deferred revenue is for a CPG company. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, I don't know. Cause unless they have project stuff, I don't know, you know, cause they talked about the flavors thing, but I'm not really sure how that would create deferred revenue. Um, it's something strange because if you see it, it must predate, I mean, recently it hasn't, but what, obviously it's very strange that mm-hmm. in the early period they had deferred revenue when they had almost no business existing. So I must, I don't know what that is. Um, so three, so the long-term debt we said is what, 384 million, what's cash? 34 million. 34 million, but yeah. So... You know, there's also a little tiny bit of short-term debt and stuff. We're, t- we're like, what are we talking about? We're talking about almost 350 million in net debt and stuff. And um, you know, you have inventories. Just so people know, like, here's one way to look at it, right? You have 30 million in cash, 70 million accounts receivable. That gets you to 100 million. Let's say 200 million in inventories is really 194 million, but 200 million that we're at 300 million, right? So all their current assets together without even taking into account that you have liabilities in a business, but that's okay. Short-term liabilities, you can manage that, um, doesn't add up to long-term debt. So you put more long-term debt on this than you have current assets. That's fine. Predictable businesses with cash flow and stuff that are mature do that. But from a credit perspective, I don't love what we're seeing here. Um, I often compare current assets to total liabilities and stuff. Obviously, the current assets to current liabilities are fine. So then you have to worry about the debt maturity. But I would be worried about that debt, um, right? So, mm. like, 
on a quarterly basis, when have they been generating cash flow from operations? I could see. Um, couple of quarters. <laughs> so we have it's kind of been all over the place. In but 2019, they were doing it. Right. What's the best? Million. I just don't think this company was. I okay. thought this was a 2020 thing, but maybe that's correct. But June of 2019, 15 million in cash flow. September of 2019, 12 million. So we're um, kind of all over the place. The the income results are not bad, and the market cap isn't bad. So you could get excited about that. I would zero in on the there's stuff happening credit wise that I'm not excited about here. The amount it's not just the amount of debt; it's also that you're getting a lot of growth in things like inventory and receivables. Right mm-hmm. over time is how a lot of your earnings are coming in, and not a lot of growth in cash. Cash has actually gone down. So growth in inventories and receivables is not really how you pay debt. Mm-hmm. So you, if you have a large amount of debt that needs to be paid um, and you're not generating a lot of cash to service that debt, you know, that's the kind of thing where I would get worried about that. You don't have a lot of current assets now, right? It's one thing to be burning cash if you're some sort of startup that doesn't have any debt. Um, likewise, it's okay to have a lot of debt if you're generating a lot of cash flow. You know, this isn't hostess or something, mm-hmm. you know, it's not generating a lot of cash flow. It's generating a lot of increased inventories and, um, increased receivables, which might be fine, but, uh, I'll look at their brands really quick. Okay. You know, just banks don't get paid in, in receivables and, uh, you know, uh, bondholders don't get paid in receivables and, um. Inventories, those have to be liquidated to create the cash to pay them. Mm. So I don't know how long-term that long-term debt is. Do they have an investor presentation? Yeah. They might have the uh, debt maturity or something there. Um, when did they appoint the chief financial officer? Like yesterday or something? Is that what it said? Yeah. That's the investor presentation. It's not always a bad sign. Sometimes it can be fine. Uh-huh. But, um Okay. Nice. Bunch of happy pictures, baking mm-hmm. in the kitchen yeah. with mom and dad. Um, I've tried this whole earth brand okay. and I've tried equal before. All right. You, on the other hand, do not like the zero calorie sweeteners. No, in fact, that's my sweetener. problem with Celsius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't have what, that's one of my favorite things that they have on it. They say no, what, no ass. Wait, what did they say? They don't have. They don't have uh, aspartame, yes. But then if you look, they have, you know, basically the same idea. What is it that they have as their fake sweetener? Anyway, it's just one that you're less likely to have heard of, but it's the same idea. Um, yeah, no, I, I hate um, fake sweetener things, yeah. Um, All right, so we're looking for their debt. Let's see, probably in the end. Yeah, how we grow. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm not an artificial sweetener person, obviously. Uh, but the part where they put it in for other uh, other companies and stuff makes a lot of sense because a lot of companies don't want to have sugar. Although the long-term leverage target is less than three times, obviously. Free cash flow to be used to delever back to three times. Okay, so they're going to use their free cash flow to delever. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, maybe be at the end. Hold on. Okay. This fascinating radio is because we're looking for when their debt is due, mm-hmm. and 
Um, we don't have that yet. We have operating income, which, as we said, that was the part that I liked. I looked at that and said, okay, that's good. Um, they got adjusted EBITDA, though. Mm-hmm. But I don't worry about EBITDA. You know, we look at the actual mm-hmm. cash flow and stuff, so that's fine. Uh, you know, the... I'm not seeing it. It's not past the appendix or anything? Mm, I don't no, think so. They have nothing? Okay. Because they talk about paying down the debt. So... Um. Hmm. Anyway, probably somewhere they have uh, information on that. We we can look over at QuickFS to get an idea about the company so price and if EV is acceptable yeah, and stuff like that. That's the last one. Yeah, they don't have much about the debt. Okay. Well, they have to be in the filing. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's the price on this thing? Market cap. Three hundred eighty-two million. Yeah, I just think this is credit risk. This is a risky credit. Yeah. BV is seven hundred thirty-two million, and as Jeff said, also they're not big mature brands. I mean, that. it's it's like when we talk about an LBO type thing. It's the opposite of that. You know, mature brands and things. Maybe you could sell them off. Maybe they have reliable cash flows. If you're going to have growth, you don't. I'm not sure that debt's the appropriate thing to put on a company that wants to have a lot of growth. I think they maybe should use equity capital or something like that. So. It's just, like I said, it's not Hostess or something. This isn't, I, I don't like this as an LBO type looking thing. And that's a ton of debt. Mm. Yeah. Got it. All right. Let's do a couple more. Did that. We did PX last mm. week. Lee is a cheap SaaS company. Uh huh. This is a, a favorite among. Microcap stocks. Is it? Microcap investors. Lee Enterprises Incorporated. Okay. Isn't this the, the, the newspapers? newspaper? Yep. Yeah. Lee newspaper company offers print newspaper and company. digital editions of daily, weekly, and monthly newspapers and publications. Probably, I imagine, shifting from print to digital. Sure. Undergoing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, $228 million market cap. EV is $679 million, So right. they'll have that. PE 10 times. Uh, EV to free cash flow 16 times, EV to sales 0.9, 10 year median margins on EBIT 15.6, uh, 10 year CAGR on revenue. It's probably what you'd expect it to be 1%, going that's from 700 more million. than I expect it to be. That's definitely yeah, some acquisitions. Yeah, it's a lot yeah, of acquisitions. To 795 million. You know, actually, the Dallas Morning News is a microcap. Is it public? It is. It's a tiny company. I think like 30, 40, 50 million, something like that. Yeah. I did not know that. I, I drive past their office. So I yeah. just thought that was funny. I came across them. Um, uh, but let's see. Gross margins, obviously very high for this type of Operating company. margins are, yep. are positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the cash flow statement um, or balance sheet. Let's go balance sheet. Okay. So a lot of debt, mostly debt. The yep. capitalization here is mostly debt. Most of the enterprise value is debt. Um, and what do we see in terms of balance sheet stuff? Cash is low, so this is all about free cash flows that they have. So let's head to the free ca- the cash flow statement. Yeah, n- no, this is not for me. Um, Why is that? Okay, so we have you know a newspaper company basically. Yeah. I mean, they they might be you know digital and all that, but mm-hmm. it's a newspaper company. Yeah, and oh, how much do we have in debt here? 
what do we say? It was like uh, seven. It was four hundred. Yeah, four hundred seventy-seven million. Right, and then they have some cash, so take that off. Mm -hmm. So four hundred fifty or whatever. We can see that also when we look at the EV. So we got ten times debt to free cash flow on a newspaper company. Yeah, it's just that you're buying the equity, which is behind the debt. I'm not even sure I want to buy the debt. You know, Mm -hmm. in terms of like the safety here, that's a very long payback period. Um, And that's assuming cash flow stays the same over that time. Yeah, now to be Right, that I would assume that stays the same when it might go down. Also, they might acquire things, they might do all sorts of stuff. So, it's just, it's too much debt versus the cash flows. I mean, ten years ago, if you had this much debt on it, okay, it was a different situation. Their their free cash flow was almost twice as much or something. Then, I, I still more than I like. I don't like to see, you know, um, and this is true even if it's a great business. I went on and on about Transdime that I thought that fifteen times debt to cash flow from operations or whatever is is just it's too much i don't know how you ever get out of that if you you know there's all sorts of things that can go wrong um if you have to refinance debt and different interest rates that you'd have to pay on that one day if you try to refinance at a time when they think that you're not that attractive a credit risk i don't i just it's a lot of debt versus your cash flows you know mm-hmm. um yeah I, I just think it's too much personally you don't think it's too much mm-hmm. to have no 10 for times? sure especially that type of company okay. i mean we wouldn't even like that a normal free cash flow generated company i mean that's not mm-hmm. newspapers yeah i just think it's it's just way too much debt yeah agreed uh, but obviously that means the equity is very leveraged you know so if that debt uh if if the enterprise value goes up by only a little bit then yeah, it all equity goes to crazy. the equity mm-hmm. yeah not to the debt obviously yeah yeah, you'll have to look at the Dallas Morning News Company. Let's see if actually we can pull it up. Let's see. I think. Uh, Do you remember what their name was? No, I no. thought it was. Hold on, let's see. Stock. Let's see if we can find it. They don't even Morning. say. No. I oh, they're owned by, by Bellow. A.H. Bellow, it says, is the owner. Yeah, uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah, that should be D-A-L-N. See if we can pull. There we go. Thirty-nine million EV, four million. So it's all cash. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, this one's closer to bankruptcy than the last one we looked at. So uh-huh. um, I don't know the story with this, but yeah, this one would worry me more. I mean, Lee at least is generating a lot of cash and stuff. It's just a question of if it has too much debt. Whether there needs to be some exchange of equity to debt and stuff like that. This one is probably is like doesn't need to be shut down. Um, but yeah, I mean, cause you're not generating, you're not generating cash flow from operations uh-huh. and you haven't been for a long time on a net, you know, on an average basis. So if you have any liabilities and stuff, this thing has to be used just to pay off the pension fund and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I'm not even sure that outside creditors really necessarily get to get anything back if you have to pay off things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but with Lee, my concern was more, do you have to convert? find some way to switch debt to equity, do some sort of deals, raise, you know, merge with something, rights, offerings, whatever. I just think that that's too much debt, you know, 10, 10 times, basically their free cash flow. I think that's a lot, but of course it means that the enterprise value doesn't look unattractive. Mm-hmm. The enterprise value looks fine, but that's just cause the equity is very small versus a lot of debt. I just worried about the debt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. 
Cool. Well, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with the both of us here today on the Focus Compounding Podcast. So if this is the first time you're tuning in, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening or watching us here today. A rating review goes a very long way. If you're interested in learning more about our money management services, uh, reach out to me at andrew at focuscompounding.com. You could also get more information on our website, uh, focuscompounding.com at the invest with us section. I want to thank everybody so much for the support and we will see you in the next podcast.